Welcome to the July edition of The Compliance Life. In The Compliance Life, I take a look at the journey to and sometimes from the CCO chair of an individual in compliance. In the month of July, I visit with Joe Burke. I've known Joe for some time. He's most recently the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at Quest Software. It's a fascinating journey into compliance from a career that began in a white shoe New York law firm to Kentucky Fried Chicken and to Dell. In this concluding episode four, Joe Burke looks down the road to where compliance may be headed. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Audrey Harris on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our concluding episode in our July edition of The Compliance Life. As you know, I've been visiting with Joe Burke. So, Joe, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Joe, we're, uh, in this episode, I'm going to ask you to maybe put on your Karnak the Magnificent turban and look down the road. But before we do, you have taught compliance for some time now. And I'm wondering if you could give us your thoughts on what's it like teaching compliance? What's the challenges you found in the coursework you have created? And how do you find the, I, w- I would say, the next crop of compliance professionals? But you may be really in the first generation of uh, professors who have taught compliance at a law school or business school. So uh, if you can find some answers in those questions, uh, what do you think about teaching compliance? Well, I love teaching it, Tom. I'm, I'm at Fordham Law School in New York City, uh, my alma mater. And uh, really how it came about was I was doing a summer session of about 90 minutes and a uh, professor had asked me to talk a little bit about what is it like. This was back when I was at Dell. What is it like to be a compliance officer? Um, and so I talked about it for 90 minutes. And after that, uh, you know, he talked about how there's really no material out there on that topic. What I love about the course that I teach is that it is how to build a compliance program. And we spend, um, I co-teach with a guy named Bruce Carpati, and we spend eight sessions, uh, three hours each, going through the basics of how to build a program. Uh, And I I would say, uh, to me, um, it is unique, it is uh, challenging because there is no roadmap for this. In fact, what I've learned more and more is that compliance officer operations are different for every company, and they should be, every company is a little bit different. But what I found was there is a rhythm to the way that companies work. There's a time to go ask for budget. There's a time to put together objectives. There's a time to do risk assessments. And when you get that rhythm together, the system works a whole lot better. You have a plan, 
you have the materials to sit down and talk to regulators to say, look, we don't have our head in the sand. We know exactly what we're doing this year, what we're going to do next year, how we're going to deal with this challenge. We're not quite 100% there yet, and nobody is. But that's what I love about it, is that it takes an area, an amorphous area where no one can be 100% compliant on everything, and it puts together a plan and it gives students an idea. There is a way to sit down and do this methodically and put yourself in a position where you can be successful no matter what your budget is, no matter what your resources are. So let me turn to your students, because I have also taught uh, a couple of compliance classes, uh, one in a business school setting and one in a law school. I found the professional backgrounds of many of these students are not legally based. Although, obviously, when I'm teaching in a law school, they're, they're going to be lawyers. But I've seen a much more uh, rounded group of professionals. Has that been your experience? And uh, if so, how do you see that leading to a much broader and rounder, well, well-rounded compliance profession going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. We At Fordham, we have limited uh, admission to the class to second and third year students and then graduate students, LLM students and international graduate students. And the reason is exactly that, Tom. I, I think having some professional experience, understanding how corporations work or even small business, just you know, partnerships, whatever, having that experience helps because you have to understand the motivations and um, really the pressures of working in a business environment before you can fully understand what a compliance officer needs to do. You're changing people's minds. You're changing, creating culture. And I think the, uh, the big takeaway for us has been that the best students and the students that add the most to the class are those that have either done some compliance in the past or have had some business experience in the past where they've had to earn a salary for a while and they really understand how these business operations work. So let me change the focus just a little bit, Joe, and ask you to put on your prognosticator hat and ask, where do you see compliance down the road? Uh, We've talked a fair amount in this podcast series about anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, but do you see the role of the compliance professional spreading into other areas? I really do. I think what's going to happen is uh, we're going to start to see a debate about uh, the authority and the justification for compliance as a discipline. You know, when you think about the way corporations work, almost everything is designed to bring in revenue. And for us in compliance, the only impact we have on revenue is indirect. And yet we get budget and yet we get resources. And I think the way that we have to make that work is to be successful at establishing culture, be successful at establishing the justification for the amount of drag that we can put on the business sometimes with our third-party vetting, with our training, with our code of conduct uh, you know, testing and so forth. We have to show how being a better, more trustworthy, more compliant company helps the company be successful over the long term. And if we're successful in doing that, then we get to go back and do our jobs another year. But I think there will be more and more pushback. You know, what we do is expensive. We want a GRC program, a a government uh, governance program that allows us to track and document all the things that we do. 
We want to manage audits. We want to manage investigations. We want to have our finger in the pie almost everywhere. So I think two answers to your question. One is we've got to establish that value. The second piece, you said, where else is this going to go? I think no company in the world wants to hire a second set of lawyers and operators who are a shadow legal department that are called compliance. And so what we need to do is make sure that we're taking advantage of audit where it is, take advantage of finance where they are, and then apply controls, apply practices that they own, that they report on, that are adjacent to everything else they're doing. Exactly the same thing with enterprise risk management. Compliance risk management needs to be a part of that and needs to be integrated into what everybody else is doing so that we're not carrying the load alone as compliance. Joe, in your professional career, you worked for U.S. public companies, uh, PepsiCo and Dell. Then you moved into the private equity world. And I was wondering uh, what your thoughts might be on kind of private equity as a new ownership model and how either compliance needs to respond to that or it impacts compliance or perhaps neither. Well, you know, in 2016, when I left Dell and went with um, Francisco Partners uh, as part of Quest, um, I, I had a conversation with somebody from Francisco Partners. I went and did some research. There was one private equity firm that I could find searching the internet that had a chief compliance officer. Today, almost all of them do. Um, What I think private equity is really, really good at is putting together a very knowledgeable, a very skilled set of directors to help leadership drive portfolio companies. Um, What they're not as good at is recognizing the value of compliance and the value of a strong reputation in the compliance world. That still has to change in compliance. The, The shareholder public company board of directors is much more focused for, I think, obvious reasons. If you read the news about, you know, companies that have run into trouble, you know, the uh, Wells Fargo, HP, Walmart, those boards know how important compliance is and how important the rule of law is. I think private equity is still getting to the understanding of the impact, the negative impacts that those things can have and starting to focus on how do we do this from a private equity partnership standpoint? How do we maximize the value of the talent that we have in compliance? They're still figuring that out. They're going to get there, but they're still figuring that out in a way that I think uh, public company boards already have. Joe, what would you say to uh, 18-year-old, 22-year-old, someone who says, I'm really interested in compliance, perhaps interested in ESG, what would be the best academic training I could start with and then use build out in my early professional career for our foundation? I, you know, I'm, I'm partial a little bit to lawyers. I would say a legal degree certainly helped me in my compliance world. But the best experience I had, Tom, and the best I could tell to somebody younger is do not ignore audit. I was really honored to be taken on a couple of global audit investigations when I was still at Dell. I learned more in those audits, Tom, than anything else I've learned since I became a compliance manager. I learned about risk. I learned about people willing to do bad things. I learned about controls. Controls, which never made any sense to me prior to this, suddenly made all the sense in the world. So I would say to a young person thinking about this, brush up on controls, understand how audit works, focus on the law, whether you want to become a paralegal lawyer, however you want to do it, 
Those two things are going to give you real good tools for being a compliance manager. So my journey was uh, in 2014, I read the COSO 2013 framework for internal controls. And I said, who wrote this? This is a compliance program. Where did this come from? Who are these people? Where have they been? <laughs> and uh, it was complete revelation to me uh, when I was uh, sitting in the CCO chair or the GC chair, they'd come down and say, we want to talk to you about controls. I'm like, ah, no, no. I'm a lawyer. I do cool stuff. It's those people <laughs> that we don't let out into the light of day. They do controls. Don't, don't talk to me. And boy, was I wrong. And that really was, I think, the start <laughs> of my journey uh, uh, to really make me uh, a much better nuts and bolts guy, understanding controls. It wasn't the, all from the audit side. So kudos for you to, uh, to see that connection and help bring that in. Maybe that would be a great way for us to end. One of the themes you have shared throughout this podcast series is I'm going to say persuasion. And you, you don't, we're in, sometimes in the legal department, you can be the land of no with Dr. No, because you can say, no, that's illegal. We're not doing that. But in compliance, my sense is you really have to exercise persuasion. So I was wondering if we might end with your thoughts on persuasion and how to use that as a chief compliance officer or in the compliance profession? Great question. It's, it's all you have. Persuasion is all you have as a compliance officer. As you say, there is no law. There are all these regulators out there giving you guidelines, giving you hallmarks of an effective program. And so you have to persuade. I will tell you another thing that I think the, the young compliance officer needs to think about. And that is, as a compliance officer, you need to be able to stand up in front of a group of people, a, a group of executives, and be persuasive. I had a unique opportunity at Dell uh, when I became uh, Chief Compliance Counsel. I was put in front of a bunch of different training sessions. We, we traveled the world doing compliance training. I stood up in front of salespeople, executives, all sorts of situations, and I learned how to be a public speaker. And you know, we can argue about how effective I am, but I learned that if I can't stand in front of a bunch of people and persuade them that this is the right direction to go, then I really can't get my job done. So I've told my kids this, I've told my students this, there is no more valuable thing that you can teach yourself earlier in your career than to be able to stand up in front of a bunch of people with more power than you have and persuade them that what you're thinking and what you're proposing is the right way to go. Invaluable. Joe, I can't think of a better way to end this podcast series. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to share your journey to the CCO chair and beyond. And before we leave, if anyone wanted uh, to connect with you or find out more, any more information about any of the topics you've touched on, what would be the best way for them to do so? LinkedIn is the best. I'd be happy to talk to them on LinkedIn. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.